Another day Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went Hi, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. One man's view of the changing world and the changing economic times and the things that we can do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Dictated as always during my 50-mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas. This is a morning one, folks. This is early morning one for me. Uh, I got out the door quick because I have some things that I need to attend to and some people that I need to speak to overseas when I get there today. So I didn't have time to do the uh, usual prep, so we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to rehash probably, I think it was my second episode, which is really what the goals are for the show, why I'm doing it, what it's all about, who it's for, what I hope to accomplish, why I created it. And I think it's a good time to do this show because... A lot of things have honestly changed since I began this show this summer. Uh, really, the show really began in July. Um, did a few episodes in June, but the show began with Ernest in July. So we've been July, August, September, three months, a little bit into October now, three and a half months um, with this show. And we've gone to, jeez, uh, over a thousand registered listeners with FeedBurner. Uh, we've built a forum of almost 300 members now with, God, 5,000 posts or something like that. And that forum's only three or four weeks old. Um, I've had an immense amount of support, uh, testimonials, and things like that. Uh, I've started to gain a lot of traction and uh, even gained some syndication on some other internet radio stations. When I started the show, I did not really know that that would be the future of it. I thought it would be something fun to do. And I'll start with really where the genesis of the show came from, from me. And that is that one day I was on a, a forum, and uh, I've been on a lot of different forums from uh, Backwoods Home to some of the, uh, you know, the shooting and rifle forums and things like that for many, many years. And I've always been attracted to the survivalist forums, the shit at the fan forums, and things like that. You know, even on the, like the the rifle boards, like the uh, the survivalist boards within the rifleist community. Um, just because I've always believed that it makes sense to be prepared. Uh, I've seen the consequences of people not being prepared with things like Hurricane Katrina and others. And one of the common things that comes up in these discussions is, do you help other people when the shit really hits the fan? Do you do, you do what you can to save others? And the response has always been, well, you do what you can to save others as long as you make sure that you can still take care of yourself and your family. You don't you don't take away from the basic needs of survival for your own family for others, and that people need to be responsible for themselves. And that's been kind of the consensus that I've seen for most people that if you're an ant, you don't try to save all the grasshoppers. All right. And I've I've always felt the same way, but I've also always felt like, but. Right now, that's a time of plenty. This is the summertime. This is where the ants telling the grasshopper, "Hey, grasshopper, you need to save some food for wintertime." And that even though we might have to say at some point, "Hey, look, um, I, I can't do anything to help you right now," 
Uh, we've we're, we're now in a situation where I have enough for myself and maybe a few others, and, and now we have to deal with the situation that's arisen. It doesn't relieve us of the responsibility to continue our shouts to the grasshopper and say, "Hey, grasshopper, winter's coming," and that. Somebody needed to do something. Somebody needed to stand up and say, hey, look, there are threats out there that are real. Some of them you're told about, some of them you're not told about. There is a possibility, and almost a, a, a absolute uh, certainty that sooner or later we're going to have some kind of a global flu pandemic that may have people quarantined to their homes for months. That, that, that's a real threat. That not only can happen, it probably sooner or later will happen. Uh, the foremost experts on disease say that this is not a matter of if, it's solely a matter of when the next extremely virulent strain of influenza mutates into a form where it can transmit from human to human and starts killing people. And that the only thing that we'll be able to do then is quarantine uh, people in their homes. That, that, that was just an example of one threat. And that everywhere around us there were reasons to be prepared for your own localized uh, scenario where you were totally screwed, be it a tornado taking out your house, a hurricane if you lived on the coast, an earthquake, um, you know, there's just martial law being declared because of a riot, that there are all these things that not only are, are possible, but most of them have happened somewhere at some place, and that means that odds are that they'll happen again. So I felt that I needed to, to, to do something, and that it, the one thing that I was pretty useful at was speaking and spreading the word about things that I had made a lot of my living as a professional salesperson. I had built companies by being a good salesperson and that my primary method of selling was always by presentation that I could make things entertaining uh, and at the same time be educational. So I felt called that this was something that I needed to do. I couldn't just sit around and go, somebody should do this. And I realized that every day I spend over an hour in my car in the morning and over an hour in the car in my afternoon and listening usually to talk radio and I usually get pretty ticked off and I yell at the radio and tell the radio what I think and that that doesn't really do anybody any good and that I can harness this time and channel it into something productive and make it available to other people and that if if I was right, if I was if I was speaking the truth that people would hear it and they would know it and then that the show would take off on some level. I had no idea that it would become as successful as it has as fast as it has, but I figured if, if there's a dozen people listening, I'm doing more than sitting here talking to myself or being angry all by myself, that we could create some kind of a community around this thing. So that's where the whole thing started from. And uh, now let me talk a little bit about my goals for the show now that it's kind of turned into what it's turned into. As I've done the show and as, as it's evolved and as, as it's caused me to evaluate my own, my own life and my own lifestyle, I've realized that I've always been someone that's living below, lived below my means. Uh, my family makes a real effort to save money, to invest money, to protect our wealth, to become informed about ways to invest our money without risking everything. We don't have all our investments in our 401k and high-risk stocks just because we're still young. We think that that approach is stupid. And a lot of people just found out how stupid it was when this market tumbled from 14000 down to a low of around 7000 but still sitting in the nines right now. That's a huge loss that many people have taken on their investment portfolios that you just didn't have to take, that everybody was saying this was coming just like they did during the dot-com bust. And I took it on the chin in the dot-com bust, and I 
vowed that I would never do it again. So, so one of my goals is just to make sure that people are informed financially so that you can understand when it's time to take a safer approach. Because, you know, I'm not somebody that says we should never buy stocks and we should never invest in companies and the whole economy is obviously going to melt down to oblivion. At some point it might, but there are warning signs of the ebbs and flows. Anybody that could do basic arithmetic was able back in January of this year to look into this quarter of this fall and say, you know what, this economy is in real trouble. There were a lot of people that lied to us. There were a lot of people that were overly optimistic. But when you really looked at it, all you had to do was take a drive around any suburban neighborhood, look at how many houses were for sale and staying on the market for a long period of time, and looking at the type of people that were still continuing to get loans and buy homes. And listening to the news about the adjustable rate mortgages adjusting up and people no longer being able to afford their payment or being able to refinance. If you looked at that alone, you knew there was a problem. If you were listening to the show in the summer, you knew that the problem was bigger than it looked like. Because one of the things I've really tried to do is educate people to how the economy works and how the financial markets work without trying to turn it into a financial college course. This practical, applicated data, understanding exactly how the money supply works, where the money comes from, who prints it, why money equals debt. Money itself equals debt. All right? And there's shows I've done on that. And it's so that people will understand. And I, and, I, and I know that some people are not big when I do the economic shows. When I sit down and go, okay, today we're going to talk about the economy. And I'm going to tell you why all this news is worse than they're telling you and how it works, where this money's coming from, why the derivatives market is worse than the real estate market, even though the two are completely tied together right now, and, and how you know, we have banks that are going to be going bankrupt. And I called a lot of these bank failures weeks before they happened. I, I gave them by name. And then I explained the reasons why they were going to occur. And I do that because, I mean, I look at it this way. I'm, I'm the guy that, you know, if we're like a tribe on an island and we sit around, I'm the guy that sits out and I warn everybody, all right? And one of the warnings that I have is there's a volcano on this island that someday it could erupt. And it could erupt in a little eruption where we just kind of have to move to the other side of the island, or it could erupt into a massive eruption where it blows up the island and we need to get off. And if all I told you was that, I didn't tell you how the volcano worked and, and the, the rumblings and the things that signified that we needed to take action, not only would you not believe me, it wouldn't be very useful if something happened to me. Then everybody would sit around and go, yeah, that thing's dangerous, but it's making a sound that was that bad. There's steam smoke coming out of the top of it. Is that normal or is that bad, right? So when I do these educational shows on the economy, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make sure that you understand when it's just a little bit of smoke and when it's an imminent eruption. And right now what we're sitting on is an imminent eruption. That there are there are things in the economic market, and maybe I'll talk about them further this week, that are much bigger problems than the real estate market as a whole. That the solution to this problem that's been proposed and the world government's pumping money into the system is making the problem worse. And it's devaluing the world's currency supply. And it's making the dollar in your pocket worth less. Okay, that, that, that We're now going into a global state of hyperinflation. I want people to understand that. From a political standpoint, my show will never be a about trying to get people to change their vote. 
only to change how they gather information, where they get their information from, and how they form their opinions. My belief is that if we all know the truth about the political system and how it works and what its limitations are, if we understand the class warfare that our government uses against us, you know, Obama right now is using a classic class warfare. If you make less than $250,000, you are getting a tax cut. All right, because he knows the, ama- the the majority of Americans go. If you're making two sixty, you're way better off than I am. I don't want to hear about your grief. Okay, but you know he's leaving out the the fact that he wants to raise the cap on Social Security taxes, which will be a major tax increase for everybody between a hundred and five thousand and two hundred and fifty thousand right now. So that half of the people he's claiming to help out, he's actually giving a tax increase to, and the people are in the upper end of that bracket are getting a bigger tax increase than they are a decrease by jacking up their Social Security. And most people don't know that employers have to match whatever you pay in Social Security. So when you get your paycheck, if you look on your paycheck and you see that during this paycheck you paid $125 in Social Security taxes, that means your employer paid an additional $125 and $250 went into the Social Security fund because of your work effort. And that if your employer wasn't doing that, he could pay that other 125 to you, so it's not costing you 125, it's really costing you 250. Because that's what it costs your employer to employ you. That's part of your compensation. That most people don't know that. I want people to be aware of these things. Alright? You know, and on the same hand, on the politics right now, I'm not shilling for McCain. Because I really don't want him either. I did a show yesterday where I said flat out, I do not believe that we got the two best men for the job. That even out of the pool, we would have probably been better off right now having Mitt Romney run against Hillary Clinton than John McCain against Barack Obama. And I don't think that the best people were even seriously in the race. On the Republican side, the people that we should have been listening to were people like Ron Paul. People like J.C. Watts that didn't even get any exposure. Okay, And I think another person that really merits some real consideration by the Republican Party as a reformer in the future might be Michael Steele. And I hate to break it to you folks, but I'm out of names. I'm out of names right there. I don't have anybody else to recommend on the Republican side. On the Democrat side, I'm a conservative. I mean, I'll be honest with you. If you want to be a Democrat, that's fine. That's okay. You're welcome here. But then get informed. You know, don't be like the Obama voters that we had on yesterday from the Howard Stern bit that were being asked questions and then being told, well, do you agree with Obama's stance on these different issues? And they were being given the exact opposite of Obama's stance and they're saying yes. And then they were asked, do you think that Obama made a good choice when he picked Sarah Palin as his vice president? Do you think she'll do a good job with Obama? And they said yes. But I don't want Americans to be that way anymore. I want people to become informed. So I try to be entertaining. So I curse at times. Because I know the average American, when they think about this stuff, they curse. I know that the average American, when they get their 401k statement, they lost $100,000 in a quarter. And at the same time, we're cutting a $700 billion check to Wall Street. Don't go, golly gee willigers, that sucks, Batman. They go, son of a bitch! What the hell's going on? So I do this show the way that the average American thinks so that the average American will actually listen to it and understand it and comprehend it. 
My goal here is to educate, inform, and enlighten. And not create people in my own mold. This is not, you know, your, your college indoctrination professor trying to get you to think the way that I think. I just want you to believe what you believe for a reason. I want people to stop believing everything the TV tells you. Alright? I, I remember when Bill Clinton was president and I had my nephew, who was about 18 years old at the time, said, well, you know, Bill Clinton is really doing a good job. And I didn't even totally disagree. I just knew that the kid had no idea what the hell he was talking about. And I said, like what? He goes, well, like his foreign policies. Right? And I said, okay, great. Which foreign policies are you talking about? He had no answer to that question. Okay? And, and that's what I want to see put to death in this country, is in ignorance. You know, everybody says that the president's doing a good job, so he must be doing a good job. The belief that the president is directly responsible for your balance in your 401k, or the temperature of the water in your pool, has got to stop. We've got to understand politically that it's the Congress and the Senate that bear the greatest responsibility in this country for the laws to get passed and the money that gets spent, particularly the Congress. Congress. There's about 500 of those clowns, a little bit more, 570 or 513, whatever it is. But you have one. One of those 500 plus people works directly for you. You should be on the phone talking to that jerk's office on a daily basis. The approval rating of our Congress right now is somewhere between 9 and 13 percent. Yet the controlling party, the Democrats, will pick up seats. Because Bush is being blamed for the, what the Congress has done. Which is just stupid. What we should see is an exact opposite. If we were running this thing the way any employer would, you'd see every Democrat in the House lose their seat to a Republican, and you'd see every Republican in the House lose their seat to a Democrat. But the American people don't have the will to do things like that yet. My hope is that I give you the will to do things, to occasionally vote for the other guy, because it's the only way you can get rid of the one you have. To get people to start showing up to the polls in March. The time to fire your shitty Republican or your shitty Democrat isn't in November where you are forced to vote for someone who's worse in your opinion and in your mindset than the person you already have. That's what they're betting on. I mean, that's what we, start need, we, we really need to start understanding as a people. They're betting on the fact that you're going to look across the aisle and go, well, this guy's for this issue and this issue, which I'm opposed to, but, but the jerk that I would put in his place is also for those things, plus he's for this one, this one, and this one, which I directly oppose. So even though this guy sucks, this guy sucks worse, so I'll take the one that sucks. Right? And that's what we've been doing for years. How many people have you talked to about who they voted for in the presidential elections? Going back to Bush Sr. at least. And they said, well, I voted for Bush, or I voted for Clinton. I voted for Dole. I voted for Gore. I voted for Kerry. I voted for Bush too. And then they complete the sentence with, because I thought he was the lesser of two evils. Is that what our nation has become? Weren't we taught in school that, oh yeah, they have elections in, in, in communist Soviet Union, but you either pick communist A or communist B, so they're not real elections. Are we not now in a situation where the average American feels the same way about the people that are running for high office in our country? So, so my goal isn't to sway you to vote one way or the other, 
but simply to inform you, educate you, and get you involved on some level so that we can start having a real freaking choice when, the, when November comes around. So that we stop believing that at the time to show up is every four years and we start showing up in those midterm elections. And we realize that the, the, the political situation is one of the biggest threats to our survival today. We have three major threats to our survival nationally and globally today. Three big ones that are realistic scenarios. And two are directly tied to each other. And one, all we can do is respond to it. The first one I've mentioned, it's pandemic. It's either flu or some other disease that takes on a global scope. It's a massive, real threat to our survival. The next one is an economic threat. We, are, we have built an economy on fiat currency, meaning that we no longer have anything backing it. We're printing money at will. And all of our currency, all of the world's currency, is a form of debt to central banks that control the money supply. They can make it ebb and flow as they please. It's like having a banker in a monopoly game that can add or remove money from the game anytime he chooses to. That's our economic system. And our third one as Americans is the politicians who are crapping on our Constitution on a daily basis. All right, And the only way that America is going to take itself back and become what it was supposed to be and become what it once was is for the average American to get unhypnotized. And that's why occasionally it takes a shit or a damn or a son of a bitch from me to wake the new listener up and say, hey, what you're being told is a lie. I've done shows where I've talked about lies that have been sold to the American people. Lies like every child should go to college. How that lie is a seductive lie because it sounds good. If you haven't heard the show, go listen to it. Five lies that are destroying America. But that lie, that seductive lie, that lie that sounds good, how could you be opposed to kids going to college, is destroying our manufacturing capacity, our construction capacity, our skilled labor capacity, to the point where we're having to import massive amounts of illegal labor to fill those roles because we're creating a society of undereducated, overprivileged young people who think they're entitled to something because they went to a certain school. That think that swinging a hammer or driving a truck or running a forklift or carrying a heavy box are too low for them to do. Alright? That's what we're ending up with. Everybody wants to be a manager. Well, folks, if everybody's a manager, we don't have any teams. Everybody wants to be a highfalutin, important business person when they come out of college. Some people don't really want that, but it's sold to them as the only solution to their problems. Some people aren't intelligent enough for college. And I'm sorry, that's the way that it is. And this is just one of these lies. We're sold the lie that people uh, are, are consumers in America. We're a consumer-driven economy, and there's nothing wrong with that. Another lie. It's what's driven our families into debt. It's another reason that I do the show. I want to help save what's left of the institution known as the American family. I believe that when you collectively as a family plan for the worst-case scenario, that actually brings you closer. That you think about, hey, you know what? I can depend on these people that live under my roof. I can count on them to be there if something really goes wrong wrong. That makes a family more likely to stay together. That the number one cause of divorce in America is an infidelity. It's debt. That when families go deeply into debt, it's because they're not fulfilling themselves together as a family. They're trying to fill a void in their lives with goods. 
with material. And it forces them into debt. And once they get into debt, they get stressed. And then that leads to all the other things that destroy the family. All right. That leads to infidelity. That leads to a gambling pro- problem. That leads to leads to a workaholic husband who's never there and not involved with his kids' lives because he's killing himself trying to make enough extra money to pay the debt down. All right. With no end in sight because at the same time he's doing all the work, he and the wife together and the kids continue to do the spending. That these things are destroying the family. And if we lose the family, we've lost everything. All right, And I want people to understand that that's the threat to the family. Not two guys getting married. That if, if you're a big uh, uh, prop- opponent of gay marriage, you're wasting your energy. You're debating a situation the state shouldn't be involved in the first place. That the state has no business in marriage between two people and their God. That it is up to us as Americans to stop the nonsensical argumenting between ourselves over things that don't really matter, that are never going to matter, that aren't going to make a difference in anybody's life for real. Two guys down the street living in the same house calling themselves husband and husband doesn't really affect you as long as they go about their business, do their duty as American citizens, show up for work every day and don't steal anything from anybody. Leave them the hell alone. You can abhor their behavior. I do. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't really want to spend a lot of time associating with people like that. It's not a prejudice. I'm just being honest. But it doesn't mean that I need to obstruct their ability to live their lives the way they so choose and to follow whatever religious, spiritual, or geopolitical beliefs that they have. That's freedom. Freedom in America is supposed to mean freedom for everybody. Not just freedom for the people that think the way that you do. That's why when I do this show, I constantly say, I'm not telling you how to think. I'm telling you what I understand to be the truth. You take the truth and you do with it as you like. You may come to the conclusion that being a socialist is a wonderful thing. That everybody should share the wealth, like our uh, our next president seems to believe. We should share the wealth and spread it around. If that's what you believe, at least know why you believe it. At least know that you, that's what you're actually proposing to do. Know the consequences of it. Know the benefits and the detriments of it. Being informed, being educated. And another big part of what we talk about here is preparation for disaster. Hardcore, factual, simple things that we can do. Storing food, growing gardens, all right? Different methods of storing food. Trying to do things on storing water. Being able to defend yourself. Understanding the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution. Different options that you have so that you can own a firearm. Because the more people that own a firearm, the less likely we are ever to have them taken away. I bring those things to you because the real threats that are out there, specifically economic meltdown and a runaway government that begins to seize the last freedoms of its people, require those. And that if we learn how to use those things, if we learn how to do the right things, if we learn how to reduce our cost of living, that the things that the government can do to leverage against us go down. The government has become the enemy because the government now has too much power. The average American works almost half the year for the government and half the year for themselves. It's like working for the mafia. Hell, the mafia only took 10% for their protection money. All right, The government's taken 50 40 to 50%. And that's when you add up all the taxes. Gas taxes, property taxes, sales taxes. All right? All the hidden taxes that no one talks about. That are burdening our citizenry. I talk about these things because without their knowledge, people walk around blind like sheep. 
People aren't sheep because they're Democrats, and people aren't sheep because they're Republicans. All right, the conservative wing of the Republican Party has decided to call the sheeple everybody that doesn't think like they do. I don't think you're a sheeple because you don't think like me. I think you're a sheeple because you don't freaking think. If you're going to tell me you support a position, and then you can't tell me how it works, why it works, what it's going to cost, where the money's going to come from, how you justify that, and what the unthought of general consequences of it are, then I cannot respect your position. If you can tell me those things, I may disagree with you, but I respect your position. And I'm looking for people to start asking those questions before they buy into an idea. I'm looking for people to start requiring that of your fellow man up to your politicians. Everybody. When somebody comes to you and says, well, I believe blah, blah, blah. Why do you believe that? How are we going to pay for it? How will it work? What consequences might this have that we're not thinking of? Will it create dependence? And does it increase or decrease the power of government? Learn those questions. Start asking them. You know, somebody with a good idea shouldn't mind answering those questions. Asking those questions sometimes will actually make a good idea a better idea. Asking those questions will often expose an evil idea for what it is. In short, I'm doing this show because I want to make a difference in the lives of people in a way that allows them to make adjustments at their own choosing by being more informed and being more aware of what's going on around them. I'm doing this show because I want people to be able to live self-sufficiently even if they're not required to. I want people to start turning their homes into homesteads all across America. Today, the American uh, citizen generally lives in a home that consumes 25% or more of their income and provides very little in return other than a perceived safe investment, which we've now seen is not necessarily the case, and walls and a roof to sleep in. Many times these large homes are empty and devoid of, of, of even the most basic furniture because people are house poor, because they've bought into the dream of a big home. Most of the lawns are full of either St. Augustine or Bermuda grass that requires watering and care, yet gives nothing back other than keeping the dogs and the kids' feet from tracking mud into the home. What I want to see is I want to see some of these, some, at least some portion of these lawns dug up and gardens planted, and fruit trees planted. And I want to see Americans realize the gift that we have, that we can actually own a plot of land, be it a tenth of an acre or ten acres. I want you to realize in how many parts of the world today, owning land is just not an option. That everybody lives in apartments and condominiums and units. And if they do have a yard, it's something that you could cut with a weed eater in ten minutes or less. And then in America today, even with a relatively inexpensive home that the average American can afford, owning a half of an acre is not out of the question for anybody. In fact, anybody that really wants to and is willing to make some lifestyle changes can own five acres or ten acres. That opportunity does not exist elsewhere in the world today. And I want Americans to realize what an amazing opportunity that is and how much land like that can do for your family. I want the average American to look at their home and see it as a a fortress of solitude, a place where they are safe. I don't want them to see their home as something that I'm going to flip in two years and get a bigger one.
and go into a consumer mentality with the home. I want you to see your home, or at least the eventual home that you will eventually find and build for yourself, is something that provides for you, not something that takes away from you. Folks, in doing this show, I've developed a vision for America. And not a vision that requires me to pass any laws or run for any office. A vision that only requires that the people that hear it and share it simply grab onto it, take whatever portion of it they want to make their own, and then do so. And my goal and my guidance is here to make sure that the people that have questions about it get them answered, they get informed, and simply become aware that it's even possible because so many people are telling you you can't do it today. So many people are out there like Michelle Obama giving stump speeches saying, every time you think you're going to get ahead, they move the bar. Well, they, Miss Obama, are the government. They are you. And it's time that we realize that that bar is not a bar. It's a shiny little ball on the end of a string that's been used to hypnotize the American public into buying into the new American dream that's been sold to us that is a counterfeit dream. A dream of having everything that your neighbor does and a little bit more. A dream that involves a Discover card. A Visa card. A MasterCard and an American Express and a home equity line of credit. And a jumbo mortgage with a balloon payment on the end. And two new leased cars in the driveway that you'll never own because you're always going to have a car payment anyway. And a big chunk of your money funding a 401k so that fat cats on Wall Street have a guaranteed bottom to their market so they can keep playing the ups and the downs and extracting your wealth. That that's the dream that's been sold to you and that you don't have to have it. You can have your own dream. You can form your own vision and you can choose to live the life that you want right now, today. The people in the survivalist community often have a little inkling of them that says, you know, part of me almost wants to see this thing crash. Because then maybe we can rebuild it the right way. And my message for America with this show has become that you do not reclaim your country by tearing it down or watching it fail or waiting for somebody else to do it. You reclaim your nation by first reclaiming your life. And that once you reclaim your life and you change your life and you make your life a microcosm of what America is supposed to be, that your neighbor sees that and your neighbor will emulate you. And they'll understand that what you're doing works better, that it makes more sense, that it gives you more happiness, that your children are happy, that you're happy, that your family stays together. They'll do the same thing. And that the microcosm of America is a triple, triple, trickle-up effect. That as our families begin to take their lives back, our nation will begin to reclaim its spirit of independence that it can do for itself. Because if you think about it, the reason we have the socialist government that we do today is because we have a socialist mindset. We have a microcosm of our nation and almost every family in America. Our government is in debt up to its eyeballs. It has bills that it can never pay under any circumstances. And it continues to spend and to spend and to spend. And it won't stop until the world cancels our credit card. You tell me that's not your neighbor. You tell me that's not the average American. The average American right now is not in debt up to their eyeballs and is not still spending. 
It's time for us to rein things back in, to take control. That's what this show is about. You do it for yourself first. You do it as an individual. You do it as an individual even if the family's not ready to get on board with it. When you do, they will start to pay attention. You get the family on board with it. And you reclaim your life and the life of your family. If you want to see America be the ideal that we have spoken in one of the greatest documents in history, the Constitution of the United States, that says that the average American is not supposed to be provided for and have their problems solved by the government, that the government is supposed to be there only to provide for the common defense and promote the general welfare of the people, to allow for commerce, to provide defense in time of wartime, to enforce the law so that other people are free to live their own lives, then you must live your life that way. Even if it's difficult today. Even if the government's made it difficult both by placing hurdles and by pushing candy dishes in front of us. Hey, don't worry about it. There's always a safety net. Hey, use the safety net. We need to reclaim the mentality that used to be on our television sets every day. And little old hokey shows like Little House on the Prairie where men in America would stand up and say, this family doesn't take charity. We must reclaim that. If we reclaim that, we reclaim our lives. We reclaim our lives. We reclaim our country. My belief is that if people start living the catchphrase of my show, the life you want if times get tough, or even if they don't, we'll take the nation back. We won't all agree. We'll have liberals and conservatives, but at least everybody will be on board with, let's do what's right for the country. And let's not expect everybody to solve our problems for each other. We'll find solutions to problems because you know what? I've said this before. The farmer in Kansas, the rancher in Texas, and the auto worker in Detroit fundamentally know how to solve the problems that our country has. And we need to send those types of people to Washington and those types of people to our state capitals. We need to stop sending lawyers to govern us. You think about it, the majority of the politicians that we send into office today are lawyers. It's not who I want working as my advocate in the government as a lawyer. It's the last person I want. Someone that writes in legalese and understands how to create loopholes. I want somebody that's there to solve problems. And a rancher in in Texas knows how to solve a problem when it's going to cost him his herd of cattle. A farmer in Kansas knows how to solve a freaking problem when it's going to cost him his crop. And a Detroit auto worker knows how to keep the line running when it's in danger of being shut down. And they also all know when to shut it down to get the attention of people that are taking advantage of them. Those are the kinds of people we need in Washington. And the way we get those people in Washington is to start living our lives as individuals like those archetypes. To start reclaiming what's great about America again. To start looking at a man with a shovel in his hand digging a a hole in the ground and saying that's a hard-working man and I admire that. So we start doing that, folks. We're done. And that's what my show is really all about. It's about understanding who we should really respect, who we should really admire, and what we really need to find happiness for ourselves. And it's not what I tell you you need. It's the vision that you create for your own life. Create that vision and work for it. Work for it as a family. 
Never give up and always believe in yourselves. And don't take charity. Be an agent that gives charity to those that really need it. Because if you're informed, if you're enlightened, and you're motivated, you can get by on what you can provide for yourself. And if you live that way, your small action will be an agent of major change. That's what this show is really all about. Again, this has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Makes you wonder where your money went. You can scream and you can holler. It really doesn't matter because it all gets spent. 